Well, good morning. Welcome to Rock Hills. We're so glad to have you guys here with us, especially if it's your first time. It's an honor to have you here with us, especially on this Labor Day weekend. I hope that this weekend you get a chance, hopefully, to connect with some friends, relax, throw some good food on the grill or something like that. But I hope you get a little bit of time just to be refreshed on this Labor Day weekend. But I hope that also happens here this morning in our service. And I'm glad that you chose to spend part of your weekend here with us. I want to introduce you guys to somebody that uh, you have not had the chance to meet yet as a church. And I can only show you a picture, but this is my father. And uh, that's him on our ranch right there. He passed away uh, in 2010, so it's been about eight years ago now. But I wanted to introduce you to my father. He was this is David Harris. He's a really good man, somebody who I admire so much. One of my heroes for sure. He taught me so much, but he very rarely taught me necessarily with his words. I mean, I can never remember. I don't think a single time in my life I remember him lecturing me. But I do remember so much that he just showed me by his example. And he was a tremendous example in my life. I have another picture of him. uh, And this is him in his pecan orchard right here. He has a pecan orchard that's still out there in dry and dusty West West Texas. 2,600 trees that have been there for nearly 50 years now since he planted those and um, harvested them and worked on them every year. And I want to point this out for this reason, because as we get into this new series called Rooted, which we obviously have a tie-in with our trees here, we're talking about our legacy. Because as we talk about roots that grow deep and branches that grow out and fruit that is produced, it produces a legacy. And obviously, we're not talking about an orchard. We're talking about our church and the legacy that will be produced from the hard work and the cult of cultivation and the harvest that comes from us coming together as the body of Christ and simply saying, God, we want to be the people, the community that you have called us to be. So as we get ready to celebrate 10 years, we look back at a whole lot of work that has gone into this. And obviously we're here in a school and we set this up and tear this down every week. And there's not many churches that can do that and sustain that for 10 years. And so it's taken a whole lot of work. It's taken a whole lot of prayer. It's taken a whole lot of passion and even experiments, things that have worked and things that haven't worked. There's been a lot of mistakes and a lot of love that has been put into this. We are praying that God is preparing us for the next season of what he is doing in us here as a church. Now, my dad spent many, many years in that orchard that we saw a picture of a moment ago. They were hot days in West Texas, dry, dusty weather. It was a lot of hard work to make an orchard work there. And I remember there were many years when you live a lifestyle like that, you're banking your income on a harvest that may or may not happen, right? And I remember there were years when a freeze would come early and destroy the whole crop. And it was gone. The harvest was gone that year. I remember that there were years when there was a good crop and pecans were just falling to the ground and wild turkeys would come in in the middle of the night and just start eating all of them and steal the crop. I remember that there were years when it was just too hot and dry And there wasn't even any point to bother harvesting because there was no crop that was coming. And I remember as a young man thinking to my dad and talking with my dad and wondering, why do you do all this hard work? 
because he worked really hard from sun up till past sundown, irrigating and pruning and all the work that went into making that happen. And I remember many years thinking, why do you do all of this hard labor, Dad? And he passed away just plugging away at that. And here we are eight years later since he's passed away. Last year, that particular orchard produced the biggest crop that it ever has in all of its history, doubled it. And so as I look at that, and I I go back to all of that just because as I'm thinking of legacy, and I'm looking at what this produced, it has produced a legacy. Now, I wish you would have been here to see it, but he took something, all of his hard work and energy that he put into that, and now it's bringing a bountiful harvest. Now, Pecans are great. Some of you may agree or disagree with that, depending on your taste buds. But as we look at this series and we talk about being rooted and we talk about the growth that happens and the life that happens and the fruit that comes from that, obviously, as we look at ourselves, we're not talking about pecans. We're talking about an eternal legacy. And for the church as a whole, but specifically for us as a church community here at Rock Hills, We want to leave a legacy. We're not just here so we can gather together on Sunday mornings, but we're here so that a harvest can be produced, so that there's there's something that comes out of our labor as we serve one another and we send packages to the military and, and, and we walk with each other through hard times and through the good times. The legacy of our church is still very much being written. The legacy of what God is doing here and what God wants to do for years to come is still being written. We, we had a statement last week that's going to be foundational as we go through this series, and it was this. The legacy of the church will always be in question when we make it about anything other than helping people find and follow Jesus. This is a new season at Rock Hills. If you're new here, You're here at just the right time because we're going into a new season and I believe that God's got a place for you in that. If you've been around for a while, you're here at just the right season as well because you're going to get to see some of the fruit and some of the growth that comes from years, like Stephen was talking about, nine years of just being faithful to God and serving one another. As we've gone through valleys and we've gone over mountaintops, we're going to see what God does in our lives in this new season of the church. In this series, you're going to hear some big picture vision, kind of as we talk about where we're going as a church, but hopefully we're going to give you some specifics as well as how we live that out as a church. We're committed to being that kind of church. The kind of church that's not just a group of people that comes and we hear Josh sing and you hear somebody talk and then we leave, but we're committed to being a church where we are the church when we leave this place. This is not the church. The building is not a church. We are the church. That's the way it always was from the beginning of time when Jesus instilled the church and put it into action. He says, we are the church and he launches a group of people who are carrying out the mission that he has put before us. So we're committed to being that kind of church where it's not about us, but it's about others everywhere that we go. So hopefully in this season, in this next series, I'm going to stretch you a bit. Uh, I can tell you as the son of a pecan farmer that uh, every season was good, but every season was also difficult. 
Because whether we're talking about cultivating the land or we're talking about planting or we're talking about irrigating the trees or we're talking about having to prune trees back and treat trees that are in bad shape or when there's harvest, all of those seasons are hard work. But all of those seasons bring a really good reward in them. So I'm going to ask you to join me as we put our faith together. And today I want to ask you to join me in seeing from God's perspective. Kind of like that last song that we sang. If we can see ourselves as God's child, it makes such a difference. I mean, even as we look at, you know, planting an orchard, that a whole orchard could come from simply seeds, That a whole orchard could produce crops that produce over and over and over again. When you look at that in the natural, you think there's no way that a seed could produce crops for 50 years, but yet that's exactly what it does. And so when I ask you to join me today, I'm going to ask you to look through the lenses of faith. Now, I'm never going to tell you what to believe because I don't want you to check your brains at the door. I want you to come in here and search what you believe for yourself, but I am going to ask you to look at what God wants to do in us from that seed perspective. Can God take a seed and produce an orchard that produces a crop over and over and over again? So as we look at who we are and where we're going as a church, we want to look through the lenses of faith and say, God, we want you to show us, give us perspective, cause us to believe what you believe, because our perspective influences our beliefs and our beliefs influence our behavior. So I'm going to give you some perspectives that I want you to look at with through the lenses of today. And that's this. I am, we can, he did. So I'm even going to ask you to do something now that my daughters would probably roll their eyes at uh, if they were in this service today. I'm going to ask you, will you say these three things with me? Here we go. I am, we can, he did. One more time. I am, we can, he did. So the first one here, I am. I am a valuable part of the church. Now, you're probably not surprised as a pastor that I'm telling you that you're a valuable part of the church. But what I'm saying is the way that you see yourself truly does matter. And you are valuable. And you may think, I don't know if, you know, I don't really feel that way. Right? I don't really feel like I'm a valuable part of the church. And really, we could do a whole series on this right now. As a matter of fact, this is, this is probably the prayer that I've prayed for my children more than any other prayer. Is God, simply let them see themselves the way that you see them. More than I want them to be successful. More than I want them to find the right career or anything in life. I want them, I want them to see themselves the way that God sees them them. Because if we can see ourselves the way that God sees us, it changes everything in our lives. So I'm a huge believer that if we can see ourselves the way that God sees us, it will truly make a difference. And we all struggle with the way we see ourselves, right? Some of us, honestly, we think a little too highly of ourselves. Some of us, we think way too lowly of ourselves. But for all of us, the real challenge is, can I see myself the way that God sees me. We're going to look at a scripture from Paul today. 
He's writing to a church in Corinth. He's encouraging them, a church much like us, but in the first century. He's writing, them to, help, he's writing to them to help them, to strengthen them. This is a little ex- excerpt from his letter. He says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 3 through 7. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere. But they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various expressions are pow- uh, power are in action everywhere. But God Himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. I want to read that part again. Each person is giving something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit to all kinds of people. Paul is reminding us that every single one of us individually, that God has a purpose and a plan for you within the church, within the community, within every setting that God has put you in, God has a plan for you. I am a valuable part of the church. Each person. You are to represent God. You are a reflection of who God is, and everyone gets in on it, and everyone benefits from it. You are valuable. How do we know the value of something? Well, value of something could be determined by a lot of things, but some of the first things that come to my mind are, if something is an original and a -a one-of-a-kind and unique, that makes it valuable. There's only one you. Only one you that ever has been in all of history and all around the world. Only one you. Even if you're a twin or a triplet, there's still only one you. That gives you value. What else gives something value? Who created it. Right? I mean, we could have a really ugly painting up here. And it's signed by Picasso. And a really great painting up here. And it's signed by one of you. Which one is going to be worth more? It doesn't matter how good your painting is versus how ugly Picasso's painting is. Because of who created it, it has value. You have value because of who created you. And really, I guess, ultimately, the thing that determines value more than anything is the price that somebody would pay for it. What is the price that was paid for you? Well, it was Jesus, God's own Son, that we might be His. You have an important part in the church. Who you are is important to the legacy of the church. I'm not just talking about Rock Hills trying to twist your arm to get you to volunteer or sign up for something here. I'm saying I want you to see from this perspective that you play an important part in God's kingdom. You play an important part in the church. And even here in our church community, you play an important part. I am an important part of the church. Bottom line is, if you don't believe you're valuable, you lose and we also lose because we are better when you see how valuable that you are. We all benefit from your awesomeness. I am, we can, he did. That brings me to the next point. We can. We can do more together than we can alone. Now, I know that that seems pretty intuitive and obvious, but at the same time, it's real easy for us to be individualistic, isn't it? 
right? Because I don't want to have to deal with your mess. So it's easier for me just to show up, shake hands, and really come to church and just be an individual rather than being together with you in the midst of your mess. And then really, if we're honest, I, I don't, it's easy to be individualistic because I don't want you to see how much of a mess that I am. But the truth is, we can do more together than we can alone. The legacy of the church is strengthened when we are united. We are better together. Psalms, the entire chapter of 133 says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil on the beard, on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down the collar of his robe. It's the it's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Now, the psalmist here uses some images that we're not really familiar with. You know, talking about oil running down the head, down the beard, all the way down your clothes. And it's, it's like the dew on the mountain. But here's what he's laying out for us. He's saying that when we come together with one another in the midst of everything that we're going through, not that we're all pretending to be perfect, but we all come together in our imperfections and we can come together in unity. He's saying that there's something very powerful that happens there because he says God's presence is there and God's blessing is there. When we come together in unity, the reason that we can do more together than we can alone is because God didn't create us just to come and hear somebody talk. God created us that when we come together, something incredible might happen because God says, I'll put my blessing on that right there. When they're together, that's where the anointing and the presence and the power and the grace of God is. My wife, Tiffany, is wonderful for many, many, many reasons. And I'm saying that because she's in the service today. Now, I would say that whether she was here or not. She is wonderful for many, many reasons. And one thing that I have to put at the top of the list is, not the very top, but close to the top, the chocolate cake that this woman can make (laughs) is outstanding. She makes an incredible chocolate cake. I mean, this cake is moist. It's just the right amount of sweet. It's got such flavor and the icing that she puts on just melts in your mouth. And I mean, it's, I know what you're thinking. You wish I would have brought you all some today, right? If I'm going to talk about it. Well, good news. If you'll go ahead and come up, everybody, we got a little sample for you today. Since I'm making you hungry, talking about chocolate cake, I figured we'd just go ahead and bring some out. So, uh, yeah, I know. You, you guys remember uh, going to church and they'd pass around the offering plates? This is like the opposite <laughs> right here, right? You don't have to take one, but if you want to take one, go ahead. And since the person next to you didn't take one, feel like you can take two if you want to. No, I'm serious. So this is one of my favorite desserts that she's made for really all of our marriage. And sometimes... I'll be honest with you, and especially times right now when I'm like not eating sweets, the craving for chocolate cake just hits me. And maybe that's just me. Maybe you guys never have cravings like that. 
But sometimes, because this is, is something I really like, I can taste it even when I'm not tasting it, right? Because it's stuck in my memory. And sometimes the craving for what you're tasting there just hits me. But I'll tell you this. This is what I never crave. Can you put that picture up for us? These are the ingredients. Now, you got sugar there. I, I could do a spoonful of sugar all by itself, possibly. But... Nothing else there. Let's see. We've got some baking soda. We've got some vanilla, some cocoa, which some of you might think would taste good by itself. It does not. Baking cocoa. Uh, it's not eating a spoonful of chocolate. Uh, ground cinnamon. Uh, you've got some butter and some flour. So you've got all these ingredients here. None of you want to eat a spoonful of that. Right? But the amazing thing that happens is when you take these individual ingredients, which really serve their own gift and their own purpose, when you take those things and you put them together in the right way and in the right amount, you have a little revival that happens in your mouth, right? I mean, (laughs) God shows up in the midst of your taste buds, right? It just happens when these things come together. And the point I'm trying to get across here is that we can do more together. And yes, you may not be able to get up here and do what Josh does and sing like he does. And you may not be able to disciple people like Al Hasler does. Aren't you glad we don't have a hundred Al Haslers around here? Right? We are all supposed to bring our own part and come together. Psalms 133 says that when we come together in unity, the blessing and the power of God is there. And you bring your gift, and you bring your personality, and honestly, you bring your mess. What you have had to overcome and go through in life is part of what you need to bring to this circle. And when we come together, something amazing happens. Just a side note there, comparison is a killer. The scripture goes on to talk about that. I'm not going to read it, but you know, it's saying... The hand can't say to the eye, I wish I was you. You know, the ear can't say to the foot, I wish I was you. Each part of the body needs to serve its own purpose. And that's why we can't do what somebody else does. We need to bring our own gift to the table. The legacy of the church will be heavily influenced by our unity and our diversity. We need to be united, but we need to be diverse. We need to be the people that God created us to be, and we come together and stand as one. I am, we can, and lastly, He did. He did everything to make anything possible. I'm going to say that one more time. He did everything to make anything possible. This is what makes me valuable. This is what empowers us to come together to be able to be the body of Christ that Jesus has called us to be. He did everything to make anything possible. Now, let me remind you, I'm asking you to see from these perspectives, especially on this one. I want you to see from this perspective. I remember uh, years ago, Tiffany and I went on a cruise. And if you've ever been on a cruise, you know that when you go dining, you order things that you would never order otherwise. Because it's all included. It's all paid for. It's all covered. And so when we were on that, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll try the snails. Go ahead and give me the escargot. And I'll have the steak. And I'll have the lobster. And, and it just 
just bring me one of everything on the menu, right? And you can do that because it's all covered. You see from a different perspective when you understand everything is already covered. He did everything to make anything possible. And we have to understand that as believers, we serve a God who sent His own Son to take our place that has already made anything possible. Anything possible. Jesus paid the bill. It included it all, and He invites you and I to be a part. The legacy of the church is so much more than just a place where you attend. And maybe what we got on the schedule for the weeks coming ahead. It's a place where you can find purpose. A place where you can find meaningful relationships. And a place where God can do absolutely anything. Because His presence and His power is there. Ephesians 1, 7-10 says this. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah... His blood poured out at the altar of the cross. We are a free people, free of penalties and punishment, chalked up by our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need. Letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all before us. A long range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him. Everything in deepest heaven. Everything on planet earth. He has done everything to make anything possible. And he did this. So that you and I, our families, and the generations to come after us, our friends, our neighbors, the people that we have within our sphere, so that they could experience Christ and experience Him to the fullness. I am, we can, He did. We're going to close service a little differently today. I've asked Josh and the band to come up here and lead us in a new song. And I encourage you just to take some time and reflect on what God might be doing in you as we're challenging ourselves to look through a lens of faith. Maybe God's challenging you to see yourself the way that God sees you. Maybe God's challenging you to see how you might be a part of the body of Christ. Maybe God's challenging you to trust Him that He can do absolutely anything in your life. My prayer is that we, as we continue in this Rooted series, that God is going to take us deeper that God is going to spread our reach farther, that we're going to be planted firmly in His presence, and we're going to see the power and the fruit of God. So as Josh and the band lead us in this, this new song, if you want to sing, if you want to pray, if you just want to sit and let God speak to you, I encourage you to do that. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that I am who you say I am. Father, help me to see myself the way that you see me. Father, I thank you that we can be the body of Christ that you have called us to be. Help us to stand united in that. Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus and that he did absolutely everything for us to be able to trust in you. In Jesus' name.